A governor claimed that cartoons of old never challenged gender roles, leading Bugs Bunny to trend the day before his national commemoration. So, of course, you realize this means podcast. Are you ready, eager young space cadet? Meep, meep. Where's the kaboom? There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. Hello and welcome to Of Course You Realize This Means Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Graves, and with me today is my pleasure to bring on a fellow fan of animation and a voice actor in her own right, Jenny Lorenzo, to the podcast. Hi, Jenny. How are you? Hello. I'm doing swell. Awesome. (laughs) I'm so glad to have you and to discuss this wonderful topic of Bugs Bunny, who we both love and adore. (laughs) An icon. Indeed. In every right. (laughs) So you are no... A slouch when it comes to voice acting. You are on Jellystone as well as Victor and Jern Valentino. Victor and Valentino. Yes, yeah. thank you. Um, and uh, you work for Cartoon Network. So you're yeah. kind of connected to Bugs Bunny in that way. That and also, I always talk about this when I talk at universities and stuff about, you know, living in the hyphen and being Cuban and American. And my first language was Spanish, mm. but I always talk about how I learned English via the Academy of Looney Tunes (laughs) and Pee-wee's Playhouse. Perfect. Because that's what I grew up watching. Like, I distinctly remember as a five-year-old watching Daffy Duck and Sylvester and Tweety and Bugs um, and the whole gang. And I'm like, my mom always would tell me, she's like, yeah, you started learning English that way before you, you know, went to school. So, yeah, that's That's how how far back (laughs) it goes. That's, that's incredible. They're yeah. near and dear to all our hearts, I think. And, you know, as an American, we have, you know, this icon who brings in these non-traditional and traditional values into TVs all across America whenever it was, or I guess, like, uh, across the world now that I'm seeing, because I've talked to people in Australia who love Looney Tunes and, and uh, so many places. So it is far-reaching. And... That is such a, a rarity when it comes to syndication, when it comes to, I guess, polit- politics and media and how far reaching they can actually be to where one thing will be funny to one group of people and then they might offend another group of people. But in all instances, it's unapologetically out there. Mm-hmm. And that is such... I mean, we're, we're, not, we're never going to see that age again. <laughs> um, no. So Looney Tunes was definitely in a specific time and place. And yes, a lot of those things that it did were, you know, racism and other, other things that got through. Uh, there, there was war propaganda against specific races. And, you know, obviously those are terrible things. And they were not funny then and they're not funny now but they are not to be erased. They're not to be like brushed under the rug and never to be talked about. So what I wanted to have a discussion on <laughs> is Bugs Bunny in drag. Yes. He, as a non-binary character, is able to, and that is canon, by, by the way. Chuck Jones has said 
that he is a non-binary rabbit character mm-hmm. and he is able to put on a skirt and rock it in like the matter of seconds mm-hmm. to outwit his opponents, his adversaries. And we have, I, I don't, I, I want to say like maybe a handful of characters in, in media that do that. Obviously, you can take it back to the Greeks and their mythological, like the trickster trope and mm-hmm. how they're, and it's also like Loki, where they're able to manipulate their adversary using a number of tricks and everything like that. And and cross-dressing was always a part of that. Even the vaudevillians did that whenever they were on stage and, you know, playing out these situational comedic, uh, you know, uh, performances and stories. Um and that translated beautifully into animation back in the 30s and 40s and 50s. And we're going to talk about some of those today. But what was it as for you as a child, whenever you saw Bugs and Drag, did it ever rub you the wrong way? Or were you, were you just laughing along with what was happening on screen? The latter. Yeah. I never, yeah, I don't recall ever feeling that there was something wrong. I think mm-hmm. it could also be because I grew up watching a lot of um, vaudeville and clown school trained actors like Carol Burnett and, and Lucille Ball. Right, so right. to me, it just felt like it was a part of that world of comedy. So I wasn't thinking, oh, it's a boy rabbit dressed like a girl. <laughs> like it, <laughs> it was just like, yeah, this is one of his tricks. It's one of his gimmicks. And he, I think the way he was animated and the way the stories were told when he would cross-dress, he just, he's just so confident. And that's why it makes sense that he's non-binary, that they're non-binary. Right. It's a non-binary rabbit um, because it's just an effortless transition. Mm-hmm. As in, this has always been bugs. Like, right. It's not just, I, don't, I, I always saw it as more than a trick, I guess, if that makes sense. I know that was used in the, you know, against a lot of his adversaries and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But for me, like my little backstory of bugs is just like, he kind of did this. Like he was like, he's a drag queen. Yeah. Like that's what he did. Like this was part of his life and his identity. And bugs biting in drag actually was one of the first instances for RuPaul to see that in media and to, you know, go down that path and, and be the representation that he is or that they are. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's important for uh, all genders to see that there is this other option for them. It's not just male and female anymore. And it never was. It never was. Yeah. And it's also not embarrassing to be feminine. Right. Because exactly. Bugs, com- like, Bugs totally embraced it. Yes. To the nines. It wasn't just like, <laughs> I'm going to put on a crappy wig and a, and a skirt. Bugs had a closet. Yes. And knew how to apply makeup. He like, did. <laughs> like, this was, you know what I mean? Like, so that's how I knew that this is beyond just him. He wasn't making fun of being feminine. At least that's no. not what I took from it. I know some people could potentially debate that, but... I didn't see it that way either. Yeah. And also you're talking about his wardrobe. I was going to give it to you to describe <laughs> some of these costumes that he's wearing in these shorts that we're going to talk about oh because gosh. from the, the classic hat and wig combo to the mini skirt or the, the pink blouse and like everything about it just screams 
like this is a fashionista. Like they know how to carry themselves and how to present themselves to the world. And that's, that's bugs. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like they knew exactly what they were doing and what they were going to wear, depending on who the person was. And it's, there, it wasn't always like the same getup. It was always different. Oh, always different. That I yeah. was like, how many wigs does bugs own? Infinite. An infinite <laughs> amount of wigs. More wigs than me. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, like, I'm just like, damn, Bugs looks hot. Like, <laughs> as someone who's bi, I'm like, Bugs looks, they're all cute. Um, <laughs> and the lipstick application and the false eyelashes. And it's just like, like, I wanted to do my makeup like Bugs. <laughs> and I still can't. But RuPaul nailed it. He did. He did. <laughs> and... There will be there will be others that nail it too, and mm-hmm. it's not you know it's not a conversation that stops here. The conversation will continue, and it needs to continue. Yeah. So let's let's break it down a bit, mm-hmm. and let's go back to the the source material and have a look at that. But before we do, mm-hmm. I wanted to commemorate Bugs Bunny Day because we just had it. It was April thirtieth, and on that day. The Happy Rabbit joined the Merry Melodies in Porky's Hair Hunt. And that is why we commemorate Bugs Bunny because of his endured love around the world and for him being this icon of, you know, across genders and for kids and adults alike. And, you know, only two cartoon characters have commemorative days. It's Bugs and Mickey. That's it. That's wild. (laughs) Not SpongeBob, you know, like. Yeah. Not Peter Griffin, like these two. These two. <laughs> Just, oh my gosh, that's mind-blowing. Right. It's so true. Very true. And I, you know, I, I saw Bugs Bunny was trending the day before. <laughs> and I was like, I, I didn't recall exactly April 30th. I knew it was around there. And whenever Bugs was trending on April 29th, I was like, hmm. We're really close to something. <laughs> We're really close to a special day for him, but it's not today. So what is happening? Uh-huh. And it just so happened that on April 29th was the day that the inept words of a governor of Florida were said. <laughs> Someone who is so out of touch with civilization, I want to say. So from Ron DeSantis... He is a governor of Florida here in the States, and he is going after Disney uh, for injecting sexuality into the programming for these very young kids. Mm -hmm. Those are his words. Of course. Um, And (laughs) let me continue with his words. When we were young, you could watch cartoons without having to worry. No parents have to sit there and uh, and worry about (laughs) what they're trying to inject in us. What kind of ideologies are they trying to pursue? And that is wrong. And that led to a lot of people taking to Twitter and championing against, uh, championing, uh, yeah, against the don't say gay bill. Mm. And 
pulling up all of these wonderful gifts of Bugs Bunny in drag. Yeah, uh, that was for- a great day on Twitter. That <laughs> was a fantastic day on Twitter. It really was. And it also allowed for this recognition to happen for people that were not accustomed to seeing Looney Tunes to get a whiff of these classics in this way. And so hopefully they go and watch these and they can expand that conversation within themselves. Um, but uh, yeah, so you you heard these words. What was mm-hmm. your reaction? I'm like, has this guy ever watched television before? Because I always <laughs> talk about, I, I, for me, I'm like, have you read a comic book? Have mm. you, did you actually watch cartoons in the 90s? Because um, like X-Men is inherently political and right. like pretty much most comics. So I hate when people are like, oh, they're making it political. I'm like, um... Wow, <laughs> you didn't, you, you missed it. You missed uh, the message. But, uh, dude, I mean, beyond <laughs> beyond Looney Tunes, freaking Animaniacs, the stuff that they got away with. Right, and, yeah. like, I'm then I'm starting to think about, like, Nickelodeon, Ren and Stimpy. Oh, Ren and Stimpy, for sure. Come, like, I'm just, I'm just like, <laughs> we watched a lot of wacky stuff <laughs> in the night. I mean, even Pee Wee's Playhouse, which is, you know, Mixed media, I would say, um, sure. with live action, but it was wackadoo. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> and they got away with a lot of stuff. You rewatch a lot of it, and you're just like, these are jokes for adults. Um, mm-hmm. And again, bugs and drag. It was just like, it makes you, I don't know. I just ugh, these people are stuck in a vacuum. So I don't, I don't know what Ron. I'm wondering what TV Ron watched. Um, <laughs> Was for him to say that because only PBS. I mean, Mr. Rogers, but, maybe. But even, I don't. I don't know if he knows this, but even Mr. Rogers voiced the the male and female puppets on that show, and so already. And he was a progressive. He was a progressive. So maybe Absolutely. not. Maybe not Mr. Rogers, and definitely not reading Rainbow. Because <laughs> Lavar Burton would not dare. Um. So it, who knows? I was very. I mean, everything that. Oh, Every look, I'm a, I'm from Florida. I say so that you know. with a lot of pain in my chest. <laughs> um, obviously, live in LA now, um, and uh, I just I yeah. Every time Ron DeSantis, who everyone uh, lovingly calls Death Santis, um mm. for obvious reasons, um, every time we tweet something, I just want to buy a castle in Ireland and just leave or do the Bugs Bunny gif and saw off the state of Florida. Yes. Bugs knew, Bugs, Bugs knew. knew before any of this. <laughs> but this one, in part, again, they're, they're all annoying and they're all um, just illogical and terrible and ignorant. Yes. The list goes on. All but that one in specific made me laugh so hard because I knew he was absolutely wrong and i'm just like what cartoons were you right were you watching because for the most part <laughs> well we were all watching bugs and drag and absolutely. it was on abc every morning yes it was <laughs> one of the biggest cartoons in the world oh absolutely and especially in the states mm-hmm. and like i said i was five years old watching this right my parents didn't find anything no one there was never no one that was ever like, oh, you can't watch Looney Tunes because Bugs is in drag. Because our parents loved it as well. Yes, they did. Like we were not indoctrinated into this. We we in, we embraced it. We like joyfully we embraced it, and it was funny, and it was made by 
people from Texas and people from California. Like they knew what was funny back then and they knew where their ideal ideology for humanity was. And they pushed forth these ideas onto these characters who are sometimes more human than we are. <laughs> yeah. And, and also, I mean, Bugs isn't the only cartoon that's done drag. No. From our childhood. Wiley Coyote also did drag. Wiley. But who else are you thinking? Genie. Oh, the genie from Aladdin. And then Pinky. Mm. And Pinky and the uh, Brain briefly did. And um, Robin Hood. Mm -hmm. There's a scene in Robin Hood, Disney's Robin Hood, the animated film, um, where he and Little John have to dress up as women in order to get into this, like, carnival. Right. And then, oh my gosh, the biggest icon of all. (laughs) Uh, next to Bugs Bunny is him from Powerpuff Girls. Oh my god, yes. Oh, Mr. Quackers, am I the only one who hates those miserable little brats? You hate them too? Oh, I knew I could count on you. But how could I possibly beat them with all that surrounding them? What's that you say? Yeah. That's brilliant. That to me was a not like I didn't know what non-binary was at that age. I think I was like 12, 13 when I was watching Powerpuff Girls. And but I knew for a fact that him was a queer character of some kind. Absolutely. That almost again, I didn't know the term non-binary, but I had the sense watching him that they were genderless in a way right no i absolutely agree thank you for bringing that up that yeah. is a a character that is definitely not talked about enough especially no. in today's day and age and should have their place in a conversation like this yeah. so thank you for bringing them up yes uh him was a powerpuff girls antagonist who definitely showed signs of femininity while also being very manly they had a and beard. ways and yes and their appearance mm-hmm. and Absolutely. Like as a kid, I saw that as non-binary, even though I didn't have a word for it. For Latinos growing up, for us, like our non-binary icon was Walter McGow. Okay. Have you heard of Walter McGow? He, there's a great documentary about him on Netflix because uh, he passed not long ago. Some years ago he passed, but he's like this, um, let me find like a proper way to describe him because I don't want to like. <laughs> Actually, I have seen this uh, because Sabina was a big fan. Yeah, Sab- for sure Sabina knows who Wagda yes. McGallo is. I have like a little um, air freshener, Wagda McGallo air freshener oh, nice. in my car. <laughs> um, so he's this like, he's a Puerto Rican astrologer. But okay. he started off as an actor, dancer, but he got, he became known as an astrologer, fortune teller, uh, psychic. And he's he's just he was everything to a lot of people especially like older women like my grandma would not miss every time he was on tv giving people their horoscopes and so the documentary is very endearing you really get to find out more about them until this day their identity was is in terms of their queer identity it was never really talked about but they are known as a queer non-binary icon okay and as a kid i had the same feelings about what as i did about a character like him right who i know with bugs bugs was 
for me, I guess, the way I digested a character like Bugs was like, Bugs is a boy who's also comfortable with femininity sure. and drag, right? A Whereas thousand percent. Him was, that is it. Like, that is, they are non-binary, mm-hmm. full-on character. This is, they never change out of their outfit. This is who they are 24-7. And that's how what that was. So there was like those similarities, except obviously him is a villain. <laughs> <laughs> but it was that same again as a kid because they don't talk to us about these things, which is why education is so important. And Ron DeSantis <laughs> doesn't want to teach kids. So I'm just here having feelings about things and just putting things together because I didn't have the proper education to know. No, absolutely. And same. Yeah. I think we all are going through life in that respect. <laughs> and we would like uh, more education on these things. Yeah. You know, um, nice. whoever wants to, I guess, start a YouTube show. <laughs> <laughs> For but real. let's dissect some of these examples of bugs and drag through mm-hmm. some pretty great shorts, I want to say. Yes. So I... I had you watch three classic Bugs shorts and being a Bugs fan, I'm sure that was not hard homework. No. <laughs> um, so let's start with Bedeviled Rabbit. Octopuses, penguins, people, warthogs, yaks, newts, walrus, gnus, wildebeests. What? No rabbits? Especially rabbits. What's up, Doc? Jeez, what a crouch. Rabbit. Put me down. I'm not a rabbit. I'm a monkey. And monkeys are definitely not on your menu. This is a 1957 short directed by Bob McKimson, written by Ted Pierce. And it is Bugs against Taz in Tasmania. Mm-hmm. And one of the one of my favorite Bugs gifts actually comes from this. Whenever he crash lands in Tasmania in that cargo box full of carrots, the box <laughs> crashes and he just like wakes up out of this like coma of eating all these carrots and is like, what? Where am I? Hey, what happened? Take a little nap in a carrot patch and the next thing I know I'm here. But where is here? <laughs> Relatable. <laughs> And he goes on to get the the best of, you know, these vaudevillian gags over on Taz because Taz is just a, a dummy who is just going through life and eating everything he just can. Apparently everything except monkeys. Everything except monkeys for some reason. Yeah. So Bugs exploits <laughs> that. <laughs> yes. Immediately goes to that. You didn't say monkeys. So I'm going to be a monkey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And... Taz immediately sees through that disguise and chases mm-hmm. Bugs. Um, one of my favorite ones is Bugs is uh, tricking him by hiding behind these trees. And then he, t- as Taz is tunneling through one of the trees, Bugs comes out and says, Hey, baggy eyes. Hmm. I wonder what Tasmanian devil little thin pancakes would taste like. This 
ends with Bugs going to a <laughs> Trader Max, which I'm not exactly sure who Trader Mac is, but or if that's a reference to something. It could be Trader Joe's cousin. <laughs> I don't. That was the first thing I thought about when I saw that. There we go. Maybe it's Trader Joe's Or Trader cousin. Sam's if or you're Trader a Disney Sam's fan. Cousin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the anti-Disney, so Trader Mac. Trader Mac. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And... He goes and he collects all these props and and, uh, costume essentials to become a she-devil. Taz sees Bugs in this costume, complete with lipstick and a a bear trap for his jaws. And he's, you know, standing there. (laughs) And all of a sudden, Bugs calls him John and Taz calls her (laughs) Marsha. <laughs> and I have no idea where these names come from, but they're hilarious. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. <laughs> John. Marsha. So clearly Taz is infatuated, or John is infatuated with Marsha. And <laughs> there's this romance brewing. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, another she devil enters the picture. And is it. The wife? Is it the mother? She's a nice lady. I'm confused. <laughs> I I mean, my first thought was wife. My first thought was wife too, but then I watched it again and I was like, oh, this... This could be like his mother or somebody that is just I like mean, yeah. against Taz dating. That that is very yes. Yeah. So like I I did, I did not know. <laughs> that could very well be what this uh the role of this. Well, she starts smacking she the heck out of him. He she does, and and she calls him Claude. Claude. <laughs> so is Taz John or Claude? I I don't. Or is Taz Taz? <laughs> <laughs> that's right I, I didn't actually catch that that's yeah yeah it's super bizarre <laughs> <laughs> i just love i wish i could just time travel first of all time travel and be a fly on the wall in these writers rooms. oh my god then. that is my dream like every day freaking oh my gosh how <laughs> fun who cares let's name him claude I don't know. Like, they're all smoking cigars i don't fucking know what these dudes are doing in the late 50s they're burning their trash in their backyards yeah they, they, oh who cares who's gonna notice you know or maybe it was an inside joke maybe maybe i i really don't know i really hilarious i, I find it hysterical yeah and i you know taz has always been taz to me all these yeah. other monikers that happen are just circumstantial <laughs> They they don't stick. <laughs> they don't because I wouldn't remember that. Right, you can call him Steve. You can call him Michael. I don't. I don't know. Maybe what you care is that a running him. gag? You think? Oh, like I wonder if there's I... other instances where Taz is named something else. Now I'm gonna pay extra attention when Taz shows up. He's only right? in a handful of shorts. Yeah. So it's very simple to go through and see. Um, I know for a fact, in in his first appearance, he's only called Taz. Makes yeah, makes sense. So <laughs> maybe that was a later addition to let's that would have be a funny. Gag of calling See, I should have been a writer. I should have been a writer on <laughs> Looney Tunes in 1957. Every directing team handled bugs in drag in their own way, but it was always a part of the character. So when I thought of these three shorts, 
I didn't go to the well of Jones and be like, oh, Chuck Jones shorts always had bugs and drag. I'm going to pull from those. No, I wanted to get three different directors mm. and three different writers and pull together these examples to see if there's any commonality between Bugs's performance mm-hmm. in woman's in a woman's costume, mm-hmm. or if it's just how they saw a a trickster using a technique to get one over on their adversary in their own way. Yeah, and in Bedeviled Rabbit, it obviously blows up for Taz, but I don't know what Bugs's end game was. Because there's no way Bugs could have known that there was another she-devil out there that was going to come slap the side of <laughs> Taz yeah. like up and down to, to take him out of the equation. Yeah. So I, I'm really curious because with I think with other directors, I, I feel like Bugs has more of an endgame. So this one I just feel like came out of a bit of nowhere, but it's still funny. It's a funny gag. And again, the, the the drag is never seen as derogatory. Like Bugs is never at fault of an insult while wearing women's clothing. Mm-hmm. He's just doing it to get one over on the adversary. Like obviously, whenever Bugs kisses somebody, yeah, it <laughs> pulls down their guard and like they are very vulnerable mm-hmm. to the attack. And so with this. Obviously, Bugs does kiss Taz, Mm -hmm. and maybe that's where he thought it would end because he had the steel trap around uh, Taz's mouth. And Taz was still enamored. Exactly. Um, So, you know, maybe (laughs) Bugs could have gotten away from that point, but they needed uh, the the other character to come in and put a pin in it to to really put an exclamation part. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Bugs winning one over. Yeah. I... You know, because watching these shorts, I didn't see that in these specific shorts, but I'm wondering, and I'm asking you because you've seen more recently, how do the adversaries tend to react once they find out it was bugs? Oh, usually they're very aggressive toward him. And they're like, oh, he got one over on me and now I'm mad again. But they're not mad about the fact that it's that they kissed a boy? No. Yeah. That's what I figured because I never recall that right. feeling of like, because let's be honest. I mean, I re- I rewatched recently a bunch of like 90s, like live action. Sure. And there's so many transphobic jokes. Oh, yeah. Like, ooh, it's a dude in a skirt or I can see his, you know. And, and I'm like, oh, gosh, that makes me so uncomfortable now. Specifically Ace Ventura. Yeah. Yeah. Ace Ventura, um, White Girls, no, White Chicks. White Chicks, yeah. That was one that I recently saw, and I was like, oh my gosh, there's so many transphobic jokes. Um, but I don't ever recall that from, and it wasn't in these shorts, so I was, it was something I was thinking about. I don't, think, is, I don't think it ever happens. Yeah, like they're angry because it's like, ah, it's bugs. Right, yeah. But not because I can't believe I just kissed a dude. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Say, you wouldn't be that squooey wabbit, would you? Could be. Doggone, you old mean wabbit. I'll twit that wabbit. I'll set my wabbit twat. That's almost mind-blowing, I guess, because considering the time. Right. Because even in the 90s, which was still much later than the 50s when this all started, 
they were being pretty, you know, um, non-PC about that. But the fact that they portrayed it in a, such a positive way still is pretty astonishing, I would I would say. Absolutely. Yeah. I would also say that. Yeah. yeah. Fascinating. But some, but you're, you were telling me that some folks have a different debate on that. Yeah. So I pulled up some essays uh, in my research and saw other people's takes on bugs and drag. Hmm. And actually a, a pretty good example is when Jenna Elfman is sitting at a table across from Bugs Bunny and Looney Tunes back in action and Bugs goes into a Marilyn Monroe-esque outfit mm-hmm. and she goes... We team you up with a hot female co-star. Usually, I play the female love interest. Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Hello. About the cross-dressing thing in the past, funny, today, disturbing. Lady, if you don't find a rabbit with lipstick amusing, you and I have nothing to say to each other. She, she has this stance against it. Against just cross-dressing? Against cross-dressing, yeah. Do they think it's transphobic? I have no idea. And I don't know if that came from like an executive at WB to have that in there. It feels like it did. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I was really taken aback by that. But yes, mm. there are some stances uh, from people who believe that Bugs is negatively portraying an LGBTQIA persona Hmm. when putting on a costume and representing something he's not. And I would say Uh, it's not that it's not that black and white. No, it's, it's definitely, there's a lot of gray in this gray hair. (laughs) It reminds me of, um, I'm a big fan of the sketch show Portlandia Mm -hmm. with Fred Armisen and Carrie Brownstein. And they, they play these two iconic characters um, who work, who are these two, they play these two lesbians who work at this um, feminist bookstore called Women and Women First. So, this is our new batch of books. I think we should just kind of go through it and make sure that it's what we want in the store. Okay, great. New Girl Order. It's a top selling author. Do we want that in here? No, we want bottom selling authors. Fred is playing a woman and they filmed at a real bookstore a real feminist bookstore. And at, at a certain point, I think maybe season four, season five, the production got kicked out from the store. Oh, wow. Because they felt that Fred's portrayal of this female character was transphobic. And as a character actor myself, I'm like, I don't think this is true. Hmm. Um, it's, it's something that's been done in comedy many times. And I think as long as you're, truthfully portraying a character like you're becoming this person Mm -hmm. you're not making fun like i'm not making fun of being in a man's body right if i were to do a gender swap sure or you know and so that always that debate has always kind of i guess uh stumped me because again it's something that i grew up with i mean lucille ball would always cross dress and all the time and it goes both ways i know i know a lot of times we're so used to seeing like straight men play women. I can never have children. We can adopt some. But you don't understand, Osgood. Uh, I'm a man. Well, nobody's perfect. But a lot of my favorite female comedians have done it as well, and including Carrie Brownstein, who would also play men characters in Portlandia. Mm. Um, and Fred Armisen is like a really nice guy. <laughs> 
Like I don't see him. I mean, no, but they're both they're both very progressive people, sure. and they're both feminists, and they. I know again, I don't know them personally, but I've I've seen them in enough interviews and articles, and I read Carrie's like bio. I'm a huge fan. <laughs> yeah. Um, and again, like Key and Peele's another example, or any sketch show. Sure. They always there's always cross dressing, but sure. it's not. They're not like making fun of the gender that they're playing. They're being truthfully that character, and that's what you learn. <laughs> As a character actor, that's what you learn in Groundlings to just really embody that person. Um, but I do think there are folks out there who think that's actually wrong. Oh, there definitely are. You know? And yeah. It's tough when you know that's not your intention. <laughs> exactly. So same with bugs is how I feel. Yeah, no, astute, astutely put. And I think it's more about the conversations that are lacking in that department than anything else. Like, yeah. Really... It's an education issue and it's definitely, you know, something that the media doesn't need to teach people. It's something that they need to be taught. Like they need to seek the, the teachings yeah. <laughs> and educate themselves outside of what the media is saying. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree. Is there anything you wanted to add to Taz and his love interest or... Uh, admiration for bugs and drag. I mean, uh, the fact that he, the <laughs> fact that Marsha was able to stick a bear trap in her mouth is is a is it's a, a feat. feat. <laughs> <laughs> Jinx! I was like, dang, what the heck? Like, I was at first, I wasn't sure what Bugs was trying to do there. I was like, but then I'm like, oh, duh, she devil, you know? Um, oh yeah, realistic teeth i don't know it was like what next level <laughs> bugs does not they always do the most oh yes oh yes yeah but you know that was also the end game was getting the the trap shut getting the trap shut on so. his mouth which yeah yeah <laughs> so moving on let's discuss another short that i hold near and dear to my heart Hair Trimmed. This is a Frizz Freeling short written by Warren Foster in 1953 and has Bugs going up against Yosemite Sam. Open up! Open up that door! Coming! Coming! Now I got Emma! <laughs> oh, you're cute! <laughs> Yahoo! Who finds out that <laughs> Granny has inherited $50 million, and this is God. back in 1953, so Jesus. you can only imagine how much money that is today. And <laughs> he has the, well, I guess it's his own detriment, but he speaks aloud his plan for doing one over on, on Granny and stealing all of her money. And one of my favorite lines comes from this uh, in any Yosemite Sam short. It's when Yosemite says, when I get my hands on that money, I'll, I'll buy the old lady's house and kick the old ladies out. <laughs> <laughs> He'll also have the orphanage torn down and get rid of the police department. Now, one of those, <laughs> not so bad. No, no, he's, he's multidimensional. But in the 50s, I can see why Bugs would take it upon himself to be the Boy Scout and to stand against this criminality mm -hmm. of falsities. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, 
take on the disguise of another suitor who is foreign and Mel Blanc puts on this really funny mix of bugs and Pepe Le Pew to come across as this suave French foreign uh, uh, gentleman. Aha! I find ye, my little pigeon. Fly with me to Paris. Yosemite like sees this competition and he goes, You darn dude! I'll give you a taste of leather! He just slaps him with a glove and then Bugs is taken aback, but then immediately pulls out a brick and puts it in one of his gloves and then slaps him back. (laughs) (laughs) Always have a brick handy. Cuts back to Bugs and he's like getting all the the shards of brick out of his glove uh, because it completely broke against Yosemite's head. Hilarious. <laughs> Hilarious. I'm like, how did that even happen? Jesus. Yosemite has a real thick skull. Well, it's got to be thick for his yeah. attempts at yes. becoming rich. Absolutely. <laughs> so Granny, the nice old lady that she is, voiced by B and Bernadette, is just wonderful in this role. And she's so sweet and so kind. And, you know, she invites him in. And, you know, she has a really funny line when she's getting chased by bugs and she's like, 50 years, nothing. And then it all happens in two, like in a matter of two minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So she is obviously looking for a suitor of some sort uh, because she's entertaining these two guys. And Bugs realizes that he cannot defeat Yosemite by being a competition, but he needs to convince him that he is Emma. And this is where we get Granny's real name, Emma Webster. Mm. Side note, the voice actress that voices Granny now, uh, Candy Milo, is on the podcast, and she absolutely oh. loved that. Yeah. And uh, she's, she said that she should get uh, an embroidery of Emma Webster on her purse. And I oh. hope she does. I hope she does one That's day. That's so cool. But I, I love the fact that Bugs is able to just get one over on Yosemite in the drag, in the, the grandma outfit, and like p- pretend to be the helpless old lady running around and being chased by Yosemite and uh, and then getting him, you know, uh, vulnerable again. And, you know, when uh, mm-hmm. when he's out of it, gra- the real granny offers him tea and then Bugs comes around the corner with uh, some tea and, lo- and sugar. And she goes, uh, how many lumps would you like? And Yosemite goes, two. And then obviously a mallet comes out of nowhere and smacks him on top of the temple. (laughs) It's just, it's great comedy. Yeah. It's great comedy. But again, uh, this is a really great example of Bugs and Drag. Uh, How did it hit you when you saw Bugs dress as Granny? It was, it was another unique way of him doing drag. Yeah. So it's like sometimes he's his own unique personality that he had, you know, came up with. And other times he's impersonating someone else. Exactly. So it was really funny to see him impersonating another character. Yes. One that they've both met. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So that was really cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm actually like questioning Yosemite's methods here because he should have become aware that the other gentleman that he came in with was no longer around. (laughs) But he got there eventually. Um, Unfortunately, it was on, you know, uh, uh, aisle to get married is yeah. whenever he realized. And only after Bugs's wedding gown got pulled off by a nail. <laughs> I cannot. And Yosemite looks over and sees the cottontail and realizes he's been had. 
It's always the tail that gives things away. Like, it reminds me of when Taz was like, you're not a monkey. Just, it's like, dude, that's what you notice first. Like, that's what makes you think he's not a monkey because of his tail. So the same thing happened here. It's like, oh, the tail. The tail gave me away. Not the fact that your face is totally different. <laughs> you're dressed like her. I yeah. love the the gown that Bugs is wearing and for the wedding. It's just it's so it's... elegant, and she's got a bouquet and um, the the white uh, little like hat like part. a bonnet. But it's a bonnet. Thing. Yeah, it's it's not like the bridal. No. Uh, uh, what's that called? The um, the veil. The veil. There's no veil. It's just a bonnet, and it's really nice. And. Um, <laughs> <laughs> If you it's... have the Looney Tunes Ultimate Visual Guide, there's actually a, a rare drawing <laughs> of a preliminary look uh, at Bugs, um, which is just as adorable as it is in the short. <laughs> there actually is a small little veil. Oh, there's a there's a it's little so veil. bizarre. It's like you, it's like you took a bonnet <laughs> and sewed fabric to the back of it. Wow, that's what this is. Bugs made it. Very, <laughs> very unique wedding uh, accessory that I've never seen again on anybody. Yeah. That's so a shame. We should all do. I should have done this. <laughs> I'm like, I keep looking at this. It looks like a nightcap or like a yeah, shower cap. Right. With a fabric at the back. I mean, maybe that's one of the resources he had. To but he had together. to to hide his ears. Right. Oh, he has to hide the ears. That's what yeah. I'm like, duh, logic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, looking at all these photos in the book, there's always a hat involved, mm -hmm. and or obviously a wig. But sometimes it's just a hat. Yeah, that's concealing the ears, and that's enough. That's enough. That's enough for these for it to win one over oh, yeah. on the uh, <laughs> intrepid hunter or. <laughs> skeeving businessman who wants to get uh, an old never mind those bunny teeth lose her money yeah, yeah. it's like a, <laughs> it's like a clark kent thing it really is i'm like really you don't it really know is like a clark kent thing <laughs> and bugs has donned the superman cape so maybe that's where it comes from no well perhaps yeah that's where that's where bugs knows how to change so rapidly Fun fact, in the episode Super Rabbit, uh, whenever he goes into the phone booth to become Super Rabbit with the uh, parody of Superman's costume, he first comes out as Little Bo Peep. Of course. Yes. <laughs> it's like Once you're saying this, it all starts coming back to me. And I remember that Little Bo Peep. That yes. is so funny. It's like, hold on, I got to do this first. <laughs> and then... <laughs> He's just showing off at this point. He plays to the audience. He yes. knows who his audience he is. He knows. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Of course. That's why he's iconic and the best. <laughs> uh, so whenever they're going to elope, there's another gag where Bugs is tossing, Bugs as Granny is tossing down everything but the kitchen sink to Yosemite Sam at the bottom. And then he, he throws out the kitchen sink. Uh, <laughs> and it's just one of those gags that, you know, it, it's never not funny. Like, you always know it's going to come and... It works every time. It works every time. Works for a reason. It always pays off. And it's animated beautifully. So uh, <laughs> what else can we say about hair trimmed uh, except, you know, all of these directors are geniuses and it's, it holds up. Like all of these jokes are, are really funny even now. Yeah. So we have one left and it is obviously one of the most iconic shorts of all time. And that is 
one part, one third of the Hunter trilogy. This is Rabbit Seasonings. This is number. This is the second one coming in at uh, 1952, written by Michael Maltese, directed by Chuck Jones, and just hands down, this is where pronoun trouble comes from. This is mm. just Elmer getting duped. And it's a battle of the wits between Daffy and Bugs and who will outwit who. It is phenomenal. It is top tier. You just watch this short. Like, mm-hmm. what's a standout for you? I, <laughs> the stand, one of the standouts for me is when it's the quote, it's a quote um, where Bugs. So many good ones. <laughs> I know. When Bugs kisses Elmer, mm-hmm. naturally, it's going to happen. You know, it's going to happen. He's kissing Elmer. And in the woman's voice, Bugs is like, yes, I would love a duck dinner. <laughs> and then Elmer shoots Daffy. <laughs> and his bill always comes off. It's so funny. Like, that that was always, like, one of the funniest things to me. Yeah. When Daffy's beak was just fell off. Yeah, this has some of the best Daffy beak uh, yes. positions. Like they make no sense to how they are staying on <laughs> no. Daffy's face, but they're anatomical hilarious. sense. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but it's this was probably my favorite because of the rivalry. Yeah, Be, you know what I'm saying. It's like it's adding. It's like a triangle situation. about I tell you what you go up and act as a decoy and lure him away no more for me thanks I'm driving ah well like they say never send a duck to do a rabbit's job yeah (laughs) I've always loved their rivalry so and this is where the rivalry started because before this, Daffy was more of the woohoo, like crazy Daffy. And then Chuck yes. Jones took the character and completely reinvented him for this. Yeah. And this, like, audiences love this, obviously. But I got to give it up to just the the animation behind p- pulling all of these models off, like having the bills. But also <laughs> after Elmer is kissed... The way he walks up to Daffy to shoot him, like he doesn't even pull the trigger. Like he just like waddles over, like he's so in love and infatuated. (laughs) He just waddles over and then the gun goes off. Come on out. I got you covered. I. Ahem. Surely you're not going to be taken in by that old gag. Isn't she lovely? (laughs) (laughs) Perfect shot. I guess Elmer's a better uh, hunter when he's in love. Maybe. Perhaps. Maybe. I also love the fact that Daffy sees right through the costume. (laughs) Daffy is never fooled (laughs) by bugs in drag. And I think that is one of the hard rules that they set for that rivalry to work. And... It's it's so funny because it's like a comedian seeing the the tricks of another comedian, yes, and them like attacking each other with their own like yes. jokes and everything like that, and yeah, like they become defensive, mm-hmm. and I think that defensiveness is what works in their in everyone's favor, like that's watching this, yeah. So you know, hands down, this is just a phenomenal short, and it is a 
a really inspired pairing to have Daffy, the Envy Daffy, be going up against the cool, suave, confident Bugs. And Bugs pulls out all the stops. Obviously, we have mm-hmm. one of the most iconic in drag uh, scenes where <laughs> Bugs... I even have a pin of it. It was one of the best looking drag... <laughs> yeah, it was. it's one of Bugs's best numbers, I would say. Yeah. Um, it is... Uh, can you describe the costume here? Like, it's 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 this really elegant wig and hat combo. It's this very like vintagey, like pinup look. Was it called vintage in the fifties? I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. It was exactly part of the era. Um, but it was very pinup fifties. Yes, pinup fifties. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah. That light pink blouse. Yes. The blue skirt. And the high heels. The heels. That's what and, I look. Well, that's what I noticed first. And the way that they are <laughs> latched onto the upper leg, like it's so unique. In I was that, like, "Damn!" Like they really took the time to, you know, place it on on the character. And yeah. I think it comes off as like Bugs knows how to dress himself. That yeah, that to me was probably one of the best looks I had seen. Um, and that's what made me when I was rewatching it again. I was like. That's when my first thought came to me about, damn, Bugs is really good at <laughs> hair and makeup or <laughs> like Jesus. He's always in fake lashes. Always in fake lashes. And sometimes those lashes are personified and they can actually call people over. Oh, yeah. Uh, those lashes are, are, are of, like come hither lashes. Exactly. Um, speaking of that, uh, that happens whenever he's a mermaid. I Yeah, I would. <laughs> good fake can lash. you imagine if like Bugs, like if he could just take a tour of Bugs's closet. I mean, it would go on forever, but it would be amazing. Like all Endless. these iconic. I mean, that's what that's what the WB tour should do. <gasps> they should have an area where you can go in Bugs's closet and you see somebody recreating these iconic looks. That would be. I just give ideas to WB all the time, and they never take them. So. <laughs> and now I'm starting to think about cosplay. <laughs> right. I'm like, has anyone tried to cosplay as one of Bugs and Drag's looks? I've never seen one. So Me neither. If you want to be the first. <laughs> it seems like a challenge, but <laughs> I'm like, damn, that's pretty. Yeah, because the looks are just, I mean, like, like. I have the like ears. a like a Disney bound, <laughs> yeah, but like, like a, but like a Warner Brothers a bound. Warner bound, yeah, a Warner bound. <laughs> <laughs> People do it. I mean, I was gonna do a, a while ago, and I never got to do it. But my husband and I were gonna do Wiley e. Coyote and Roadrunner oh, bound. You should have done it. I know. We still should. You should. Yeah, because I I'm like, okay, how do I take these like characters and just like humanize? Sure. What would they look like as humans? Right. So I love that. Yeah. Hmm. I'm gonna... Would that be anthropomorphized or no? Is that a different word? In terms of making them look like animals? No, making them look human. Like what, Is that what, the right term? I don't know what the term would be to go from an animal to a human. Besides like uh, metamorphosis or what was that 90s show? Animorphs? <laughs> Animorphs. <laughs> I was thinking about animorphs. Oh my God. Or like cats. Yes. Oh God. Let's... Ugh. But yeah, yeah, I was like, oh, you know, I want to, because these these are some of my favorite characters. Yeah, and I love cosplaying as like '90s cartoons. And he has great fashion. Oh my god, I know. So you have a lot to pull from. But those boobs, <laughs> I don't know how I can compete with Bugs's boobs. I, I honestly like, he, I don't know where he gets them. I don't know <laughs> either. But 
they work. They work for him. They work very well. And so obviously this this conversation is not a end-all, be-all. This conversation needs to continue. Yeah. And politics and media have a place that need to be talked about and discussed, and it's not a one-way street. And that is where we're at as a society. And we need to have the conversation continue. And that is the point of this show. That is the point of any show that talks about gender politics and anything of the sort. So, dear listener, I hope that you continue this conversation, this lovely conversation that we have had today. I also wanted to quote Wayne's World because (laughs) Wayne's World also had a similar conversation. And it was more of a joke uh, for Garth. But... He starts with Garth Algar asking Wayne, did you ever find Bugs Bunny attractive when he put on a dress and played a girl bunny? His buddy Wayne didn't, but Elmer Fudd, Yosemite Sam, and the Tasmanian Devil are all just a few of the many males who have bewitched or have been bewitched, bothered, and bewildered by Bugs' seemingly endless wardrobe of women's clothing. Mm -hmm. And that is a wonderful, fascinating character trait that... I hope to see even more of in future media. And does do you do you see another character that's currently in animation that can do this type of trickster vibe, or is Bugs unique in in that aspect? I think Bugs is still very much unique in that aspect. I, as someone who is kind, I don't know if this is the right way to describe it but I always feel like my comedy's old school like I love vaudeville Mm -hmm. I'm I currently take classes with clown school I still think that physical comedy is some of the best comedy out there yeah and we're not getting as much of that oh absolutely not um especially not in live hell we're not even getting that on SNL I'm just being (laughs) real I'm just like damn what's going on um and in animation Man, I mean, obviously, there's so many streaming platforms now. And, like, for instance, like, and it's not because I'm in it. Because I'm going to be honest about Jellystone. When I was cast and I got the scripts and I went in and recorded, I didn't even comprehend the script. Because it was so wackadoo. Okay. And the way it was written, I'm like, what is this? (laughs) (laughs) And it wasn't until I saw the show and complete episodes where I was like, this is hilarious and unhinged. Yes. And I think (laughs) unhinged. We need more of that. We need more Mm -hmm. of that, like, absurdist, very, you know, physical comedy, character comedy, vaudevillian-style stuff in animation. Um, And we need to let our characters also, again, across the board, live action and animation, but let our characters be flawed. Sure. Because I think that that's that's what people loved so much about Bugs and, I mean, first of all, Looney Tunes in general, right? But Oh, yeah. Especially like a rivalry that you saw with Bugs and Daffy. People love that. They love a good roast fest. They love a good rivalry like that. And I don't think that's done in poor spirits or anything. But I I have noticed. I don't know. I could be wrong. I could be one of those crotchety elder millennials. (laughs) That's like kids these days don't know what it was like to watch cartoons in our era. Because we saw some crazy stuff. And um, I remember with, like, Victor Manantino, like, Victor, right, is, like, mm-hmm. this 
kind of dickish kid. Like he's this like little rascal. Yeah. And some of the comments that I started seeing from kids on Twitter, they were like, he's too mean. Oh, I've seen a lot of that too recently. And I'm like, no. And for me, I thought Victor was hilarious. I'm like, this kid's hilarious because he's such a doofus. Right. But I, I don't know if it's because our generation, that's what we saw a lot of these like really flawed, mm-hmm. wacky characters yeah. that were, they weren't bad, but they weren't good either. You know, like they were really, again, like tricksters and schemers. And, and I think that's what makes like, Jellystone, I guess one of the few cartoons I've seen recently made made for kids because mm-hmm. obviously adult animation is its own thing. Sure. And they can get away with everything. But when it comes to just basic, you know, ages 7 to 12 kids animated shows, I'm not seeing as much of that. Everything's right. a little more played down. Played down. Yeah. The characters aren't as like flawed and I don't know. Yeah, three-dimensional. So I feel like, yeah, and I, I feel like that's why some kids are not taking a liking to, like, a character like Victor. Sure. I can see that. Yeah, th- I, I think there's something about the shows that they grew up with that when they see characters being mean to each other, mm-hmm. they immediately dislike them. And yeah. it goes down to, like, a, a personal, like, I guess, vendetta against people being mean to each other. And I, and I get that. I get that too. I get that too. Um, but I guess we're able to disassociate real people from animated characters yeah. a little bit better. And maybe because it's a rabbit and a duck. And yeah. Like maybe it's easier for us back then than all of these shows now. To, uh, everyone is animating humans. Like all these characters are humans. So maybe a it lot has of them to are, do yeah. with that. I, I honestly don't know. That could be. I mean, in the case of Victor and Valentino, they're humans. Right. Whereas Jellystone, they're animals. It's a socialist study. <laughs> oh, man. This is get. This is a whole thing. It's a whole other bag of worms. And, and obviously, you know, you, you want to, you don't want to be uh, offensive. No. <laughs> you know, no. In, in your animation and stuff. But I think I personally don't see anything wrong in characters like this. And these characters have been rebranded and redone in numerous yeah. iterations. And we still go back to the classics. I, I have been pulling from all over because that's mm-hmm. what I love. I love all of these iterations. Um, some more so than others. I will preface that. But <laughs> the newest iteration, I feel obviously Bugs is still in it. And he's still cross-dressing. Eric Bowser does a phenomenal job voicing him. And Pete Browngard does a phenomenal job, like making sure that these characters remain as true to the, the characters they were in the forties in this new era. And I, I agree with that. I think Mm -hmm. that's the best way to represent these characters and not shy away from, uh, anything that people might say is, I guess, a Ron DeSantos might say is wrong. (laughs) Eh, who cares what that guy thinks that's the basis of this podcast who cares what (laughs) Ron DeSantis thinks (laughs) screw that guy oh god well Jenny uh, thank you so much for being on this episode with me you have your own podcast Uh, please let let the listeners know where (laughs) they can find you over at um, is it the hyphen hyphen hyphenated hyphenated yeah 
Uh, yeah, I have a podcast with my co-host, Joanna Hausman, who is a Venezuelan comedian, and she's also a voice actor. Um, yeah, we're just these multi-hyphenated, <laughs> culturally hyphenated <laughs> comedians. Um, comedians. Uh, and yeah, we have a we have a podcast together, and you can check it out on any place you get your podcast from, Spotify, Pandora, et cetera, et cetera. Nice. I was just listening to the one uh, that came up, I think, on Wednesday, and it was about the film festival for web series to TV. Oh, my gosh, yeah. That was, that was... such a great conversation. Yeah, and I didn't even know this uh, festival existed, so I'm definitely going to turn in my stuff next year. Absolutely, yeah. I but had no idea But it's super important, yeah. 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 That's great. Yeah, we talk about all kinds of topics. Like, it's not always based on our nationality or culture. It's just always talking to people who live these hyphenated experiences, whether it's career-wise or, again, culturally. Sure. Um, so it transcends beyond just, like, where you're from. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to have a, Thank a you. voice for that out there. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and, of course, you know, since I'm, like, the geek out of the two of us, a lot of our episode topics um, – are sometimes about geek culture and stuff like that. We were actually just at the Latino Comics Expo. Okay. Um, and that was amazing. We got to like interview a lot of like iconic Latino comic book artists and stuff like that and, and creators. So yeah, it's pretty cool. Before the pandemic, they had like 3000 attendees. So hopefully it's, it grows again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, where can people find you on social media? The simplest thing to do is just to (laughs) Google my name. Um, because my handles are all over the place and I've I've been on social media a long time. <laughs> so just type Jenny Lorenzo um, and you'll find me. Whether it's Instagram, YouTube, I, I put all my content on pretty much every social platform except Snapchat. I don't know. I'm not 12. <laughs> I don't have Snapchat either. <laughs> no, I'm like, what's Snapchat? I, I, I used to use it, but yeah. But everywhere else, that's how you can find me. Awesome. And you play Choo Choo on the uh, Jellystone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you can <laughs> you can check me out on Jellystone season one and two on HBO Max. And they, they also are playing on Cartoon Network. And I voice Bobby Louie, Choo Choo, Hardy Har Har, Pixie. Pixie so far has only been in one episode. And I do the sound effects for Spooky. Cool. Yes, that's it. <laughs> I got to say your your voice, like the way you go into that deeper register, um, it reminds me of Slappy Squirrel. And like if Animaniacs... Oh, I love Slappy. If Animaniacs ever brings that character back, they should definitely call you. I auditioned for Animaniacs, but it wasn't for Slappy. I don't know what it, what it was such a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah, that would be the dream <laughs> to book either Animaniacs or Looney Tunes, but... We'll see. It, it's tough. It's tough to book, but, you know. Well, good luck. The ones you get, it's always fun and exciting. Well, you're on your way. You Thank already you. you already have your foot in the door, so hopefully more good things come for that from that. Thank you. And you can follow the podcast, Facebook and Instagram at This Means Podcast, and Twitter at OFC, This Means Pod. Yes. I just changed it, so I added the OFC because, of course, you realize This Means Podcast. It needed the OFC. And uh, James Gunn inspired it. <laughs> By the way. <laughs> By the way. Who I hope to have on the podcast one day. So. Oh, that would be dope. <laughs> uh, well, he's working on the Wiley Coyote movie, so I'm hoping. <gasps> Fingers crossed. And as always, that's not all, folks. Out of sheer honesty, I demand that you tell him who you are. Well, haven't you anything to say? Anything? Out of sheer honesty? Woo! <laughs> 
yes, I would just love a duck dinner.